This podcast is brought to you by Lacrosse All-Stars, growing the game one podcast at a time. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Know the Game podcast. I am your host, Ryan Conwell, analyst and NCAA editor at Lax All-Stars. This week, I'm excited to bring you our interview with Bill O'Brien. Bill is an NLL player currently with the Buffalo Bandits. When we spoke with him, it was at LaxCon this past January of 2018 as he was preparing to suit up with Team USA Indoor in their scrimmage that weekend. He has some excellent insight into our game and also has an electric personality which has created a large social media following. Before we bring you Bill, I want to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Summit Lacrosse Ventures. Summit Lacrosse Ventures holds camps and tournaments all over the U.S. serving players of all ages and genders. They are most well known for their Placid Summit Classic held each year in beautiful Lake Placid, New York, but offers so much more. See if there is an event near you or find one to make a trip for at summitlacrosseventures.com. Okay, and now I'm going to cut over to our interview with Bill O'Brien. This week we are here with Bill O'Brien. Lots of people know him as the former defender of the New England Black Wolves, or you might just know him by one of his various social media handles, whether it be Brian O'Thrill, Thrilla96, um, any one of those, that's the guy. So here we are with Bill. Welcome. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you very much. Yes, it is uh, Thrilla96 Live. Um, pumped to be here with you and pumped to uh, sit down and chat. Yep, so we're catching Bill here at LaxCon. Um, you know, like we have with many of our guests, it's a it's where everybody comes right now this time of year, and it's great to have Bill here. Um, one exciting thing is he's here for Team USA Indoor Exhibition, which we will touch on a little bit later. Um, but, Bill, for those of you who are not as familiar with you, what's your background? You know, yeah, why, why are we talking to you? So it's a uh, pretty wild path that got me to lacrosse, I guess you'd say. I played growing up. I was a three-sport athlete right outside of Syracuse, New York. I played football, ice hockey, and lacrosse. Then I went to college, Sacred Heart University. I played Division I AA football. Tried to pursue a career in the NFL, and it didn't pan out, so I moved back home. And then I just got back into playing lacrosse, and I, I played one season with the Onondaga Redhawks, our senior B team. And then I got a call from Mike French uh, to come try out for the New England Black Wolves their first year in the league when they made the move from Philly up to New England. And uh, my answer was, heck yeah, I'll try out. And uh, the tryout was the next day. Tried out, the free agent camp, made the squad. I think there was about 60 guys there, and I was uh, one to stick on, and, and I played there for three years. And then... Uh, I was released in training camp earlier this season, and then I was just actually signed this week by the vaunted Buffalo Bandits. Bandit land. Bandit land, baby. <laughs> All right, so one of the things I do find fascinating about this is you mentioned you had played some lacrosse in the past, but you really shifted your focus to football as far as, like, you know, your elite focus goes. I mean... You can play multiple sports, but generally when you start getting to the college level and beyond, someone says, all right, you know, I'm a football player now. You know, you start thinking with those X's and O's, you know, yeah, lacrosse is always in the back of the mind there, but 
You were a football guy, right? 100%, Ryan. And I'm going to be honest here. In the uh, end of my 10th grade year, I got to visit University of Michigan um, as a football recruit, as a prospect. And from that point on, after I walked through uh, University of Michigan's weight room and their their field, we went to a game when they played Notre Dame. I was like, I am going to be a football player. And uh, (laughs) I literally put all my eggs in one basket and I dedicated my time to trying to be the biggest, fastest, strongest football player I could be. And uh, I'm grateful for it because it panned out. Uh, freshman year at Sacred Heart University, I, I played quite a bit for a freshman. And then uh, I was a, a three-year starter, all-conference D-end, outside linebacker. I love my, love my football days for sure. Um, so... Now, what I, find, what I find really fascinating, though, is when you look at not only yourself, but some of the other guys that have made the NLL um, and even the MLL, but um, within the NLL, the guys that jump from a free agent, you know, they're not somebody that was in the collegiate draft. You know, they were doing something else. They got looked over. They, it was an open tryout, whatever it might be. One of the most common things that I've seen is – ridiculous work ethic focus on fitness and health yeah how how i mean anyone that follows you on instagram kind of knows that's a central <laughs> part of your life right now definitely um how big of that was it for that transition from being a college athlete to that first tryout with the black Wolves? huge it was huge i think it was probably the single biggest factor um work ethic and i think that probably goes to my my health enthusiast or my my health nut if you will um because when mike french called me i remember the call like it was yesterday he said we're looking for a big strong defender who can toughen up our back end and in my head that means get out there body some people um and play a real physical style of game and luckily as a division one double a football player linebacker nonetheless i was colliding at full speed with people day in day out so that was a skill set that I've honed over five years and I was able to bring it to the NLL so I agree it takes a uh, it takes a, a work ethic second to none and uh, basically being motivated day in day out to, to reach your goals so yeah, yeah. now I, I do find it interesting because I was fortunate enough to be able to be at that first Black Wolves tryout so you know, they were coming to New England. I was living in the area. I was able to go check it out a little bit. And, you know, what you were describing there with you need somebody to be physical was exactly what that tryout was. I mean, one drill that stands out in my head was going for a loose ball around the circle in the middle. And then I think it was an it was un, uneven thing. They would call it, you know, like 5-3, five, five guys from one side, three from the other. Throw the loose ball out, and then it creates a mismatch going one way or the other. And at one point, the coaches, I can't say exactly what they said, but um, let's just say they, they wanted some intensity. <laughs> <laughs> um, and they, they would like to see a player with the ball on the ground if you were a defender. And you definitely answered the call in that tryout. <laughs> I, I think I, I don't have to expand upon it too much, but I think you get the idea there. <laughs> Lacrosse is a game of gifts, and that just happens to be one of my gifts. So I'm, I'm lucky and fortunate for that. Yep. Um, and the other thing why I brought the fitness was something else I saw 
at the end of that tryout, I mean, it's a grueling couple of hours. Yeah, everyone's fighting for a spot, especially that was the Philly Wings moving up to a new area. Nobody really knew what was going to happen. You know, how many of them were going to stay Wings? How much of a new team was it going to be? Um, it, there were a lot of question marks going into that, so everyone was working their butts off. Um, but at the end of that practice were sprints. And it, it sticks out in my head. I remember everyone was, you know, gasping for air, you know, and guys grabbing trash cans afterwards, you know, and everyone's a professional athlete at that yep. event. I mean, yep. everyone is in great shape. But there was you, Marty Bowes, and Brian McGill. Yeah. The three guys that... Three Americans, I mean, mind you. They These guys were... Like at least a field length ahead of everyone else in these final sprints. And, I mean, you look at, you know, Brian McGill made it, you made it. Marty Bowes has continually been brought back by the Black Wolves and given more chances. He'll get his, you know, he'll he's, get his shot. He's a great player. He's, he's very physical. He's in great shape. I call yeah. him MJ Beast. <laughs> that's what I call him. And he's another guy that's, um, you know, tomorrow night's exhibition, which, you know, by the time everyone's listening to this, that'll have come and passed. But, um, you know, I, I just see that as a very key difference that a lot of guys don't connect with when you look at post-collegiate lacrosse is you're in that great shape. What's going to separate you? you 100%. Know, a, a lot of people, they have some natural skills. I mean, you, know, you can't really teach someone the Sean Evans stick skills. I mean, let's <laughs> no. be serious. There's, no. there, but there's not a lot of those guys. Yep. And if you're going to come in as a free agent you know, out of the door, what are you going to separate yourselves at? And I know uh, Tyler Burton's another guy that did that originally with the Nighthawks, and he stuck around the league because yep. he saw that as one of his differentiating things was taking care of his body with health, fitness, and just, you know, doing that sort of work. Um, so let's talk a little bit about what happened with New England. You went through training camp and you got that call. Yeah, so I, I guess it, it kind of caught up to me. I was that big, strong, fast defender, and one of the things Warren Lyons once said, uh, you can control your physical conditioning, so go out and run. That's one thing in the fourth quarter. When you're playing a team, that's a controllable variable. So I, I've always taken that to heart, and I know that I am in better shape than the next guy, and it'll show in the fourth quarter. Um, and, and with that being said, the skill set of mine, I've, I've constantly tried to hone my skills and become a better lacrosse player. Um, I mean, let's be honest, I've only been playing consistently for four years after, um, after I, I finished up with football. So there's a big learning curve that I have to make up. So I put a lot of time and effort in. Um, and this year, the New England Black Wolves were just looking for something different. They wanted a, a different uh, team. And Coach Clark is and, and Tracy Kaluski, those guys are legends of the game. You know, they know the game better than way better than me you know I'm a, I, I don't even think I know one percent of what they know about the game um, so those guys wanted a team a different look and from the ownership group down to the last player on that roster um, I think they bought in and, and they knew what they were going for and that's what they decided um, when Rich Lisk the GM for the New England Black Wolves called me he said this was the hardest call he, he had to make because he knows how hard I work. And he, we just built a great relationship. I, I respect Rich a lot. He's very straightforward. He's a good guy. If you need anything, you can, you can rely on him. So when he called me, we had that conversation. And, I, you know, it's professional sports. So accountability for me as a man is huge. 
because I know I can control what I can. And I, I took it as it is, as almost as a challenge to continue getting better and to work harder as opposed to shutting down and, and blaming other people um, for, the, for me being released. Um, so I think that's important just to take on the accountability and what are you going to do with it? How are you going to react? Adversity happens to us all. What kind of man you are is determined by your ability to react and act. So, and I remember right after this happened, there's lots of stuff on social media. I mean, you you, you developed a fan base. You know, and I'll, I'll talk about that one a little bit later. But you did write your own message to everyone. And one of the things that jumped out at me was you talked about the things that you did try to improve upon. And it jumped out at me because I've been asked from other people how to improve this one thing, and it's lacrosse IQ. So, you know, you, you do continue to play in the offseason. It's not just NLL and then hit the gym. Um, being someone that has only been in, you know, full-time lacrosse mode for a couple of years after having, you know, some time off, what is it that you try to do to become a better defender mentally you know how you approach the game you know like the type of role you want to play the type of defender you want to be how do how do you go about trying to improve that part of your game I think the biggest thing is is as a the type of player I was going to be was determined by my size my physicality my background so I wasn't going to be a 100 goal scorer you know in, in in the NLL and I knew that you know I was going to be a big bruising defender who is tough to beat one-on-one but can slide hard. Um, so I, I constantly hone those strengths and, and try to be better at those. Um, and then the biggest thing was just be a sponge, be coachable. I knew I didn't know everything, and I know I can learn, and I know I can listen. So having my ears open, learning from one of the best in Coach Veltman, Jim Veltman, a.k.a. the vacuum. You know, he's a legendary <laughs> Hall of Famer, NLLer, and uh, having the opportunity to learn from him and really listen and try to pick apart what he was saying and apply it was uh, was probably the thing that kept me in the league to this day, you know, being able to adapt and learn and, and be coachable. Um, because, honestly, at the end of the day, he wants what's best for me as a player, and, and he's lived it, so he knows. So I think any lacrosse player out there who wants to get better needs to open up their ears, close their mouth, and execute and be coachable. Um, and watching a bunch of film, that's a football thing. We watch film. So. Absolutely. Um, something that's come up a lot very recently in the lacrosse world, um, and they talked about it yesterday at the Lacrosse Industry Summit, but diversity in lacrosse is becoming a very big issue. And you live in Onondaga. What What are the feelings when people do bring up the fact that lacrosse is a white sport? It, I guess laughter. <laughs> the feelings. Are, I, I mean, humor. I, I personally laugh at like <laughs> I agree with it, but at the same time, I'm like, but it's not. <laughs> yeah, a hundred percent, and that's the that's the beauty of it. Um, you know, lacrosse has been played for thousands of years. If you talk some talk to some of the elders, lacrosse was played before the dawn of time, and that's a belief. It's not like oh, here's a story. No, it's a belief. Yep. Um, so. Just like any other belief, it's, uh, it's, it's faith that it's, it's true, if you will. But, so it's believed that lacrosse has been played since the dawn of time. It was a gift given to the people by the creator and as a form of medicine to be played for the community. So 
when someone says, oh, yeah, lacrosse, that's that white, rich sport they play in suburbia America, right? I laugh because I'm like, eh, I mean, that is lacrosse. Don't get me wrong. But um, come come over here. I'll show you real lacrosse, you know. Exactly. Um, but, I mean, any form of lacrosse being played is awesome. And, you know, ignorance is bliss. So when people say, oh, lacrosse is a white sport, it's like, eh, yeah, you're entitled to your opinion, but I am too. And 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 correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm sort of combining some stories here. But as much as you can say it's all, it, it, people say it's a white sport. They can play anywhere in the world, but I'm pretty sure there's still some games that they can't <laughs> they can't go and walk into. Correct? Yeah, yeah. The medicine game that's held. It's a ceremony every every spring. It's a renewal ceremony. Typically, men versus boys. All wooden sticks, no pads just as physical as any nll game um but yeah you can't just roll up with your your twig and think you're gonna hop into that one that's good luck good yeah, luck I, I don't think that would turn out too well <laughs> <laughs> all right what position are you out outdoors are you close or are you lsm i can play both but i prefer close do you ever consider making a more serious run at the mll i have not I get a lot of questions about that, and I uh, I haven't yet. Just because box lacrosse is, for me, the NLL is a big commitment, and I, I always love to give back to a Dog and play in the summer um, for the community. I get to play with my brother. And that's I get actually to play why, with our friends. Um, so. Sorry, I cut you off, but um, I think Brett Bucktooth, actually, that's why he left the NLL, if 100%, I remember correctly. Yeah. Is he was at Hamilton. Um, but he just wanted to focus more on, you know, playing with the senior Bs, playing with his family, um, before the NLL season kicked in. Right. Yeah. I mean, Brett is a, uh, I mean, he was my roommate for the last three years in new England and I can't speak highly enough of him. He's a professional on and off the floor. He's a, he's a savvy vet. He, um, he taught me a lot about the game in our road trips to, to and from new England. So I appreciate him as a friend and, uh, yeah, he actually retired from the NLL because of his son. His yep. son's getting of age, and he wants to be around for him and watch him play. I think Brett probably had four or five more good years in him. So, do you uh, do you still see him as uh, does he get the itch a little bit, even if if he you know retired for the right reasons? But still, when those uh, Saturdays roll around, oh yeah, he's the him. first one I call for pickup <laughs> games because I know he's in. If he isn't hunting or ice fishing, he's in. Yeah, and and he's one of those guys. When I was living back in the Syracuse area, he'd be yeah he'd be showing up at pickup games those weeknight <laughs> yeah. uh, Jones Road. I don't even know what to call those games, yep. but they those become something. Oh yeah, those are something <laughs> else in and of themselves. That's for sure. Yeah, for uh, those that aren't from the area, Jones Road is one of the indoor facilities in Syracuse, and it's pretty much the the top level, uh, like the most talent goes to that from the broad central new york region um that doesn't mean that translates into anything you have (laughs) you you could have a team full of mll players show up and they're gonna do the entire game one-handed with behind the back passes because that's what they feel like doing or they could show up the next week and just decide to score 30 goals (laughs) yep that's fair that's that's a legit jones road synopsis right there (laughs) so great talent you never know what you're gonna get and yeah I remember, uh, you know, playing with Brett a couple times there, and you know, there there was a, there were always some interesting games, always some fun <laughs> games, but you know, that was, that was a good time. Actually, the uh, the coach of Team USA, Reggie Thorpe. Yep. He he dabbles yeah, over I, there sometimes. I, I guarded Reggie a couple times, yeah. not so well, but <laughs> I don't know if anyone can. <laughs> that man is a beast. 
Yeah, you just try to like get him near the boards and hope he passes it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, speaking of Team USA, how did that come about? So I tried out for Iroquois Nationals the past couple years, or past so World Games of 2014. Uh, that was field in Denver. Tried out, and I was told one thing. It didn't transpire. Look, I'm not a not a elite field player when it comes down to it. Do I think I was in better shape than those close defenders? Yeah, but at the end of the day, I wasn't better than those guys, so they went. Um, and then the year after 2015, I was trying out for the indoor Iroquois team, and it something always seemed to come up where the coaching staff would basically tell me like bill we want you on our team make sure you got to do what you got to do to get it done but it's it's funny situation because the Iroquois nationals are a country essentially in the world games but it's also its own little world so i'm not my mom isn't native american so technically on the reservation i'm not a native american because it's matriarch matriarchal so and and that was a rule I think 15 20 years ago when the National Society did really enforce that yep. correct that it had to be maternal link. Yep. And that's I mean so I didn't get that clarification until the the until I saw on Twitter that I wasn't on the team after being told I was on the team so I was like ah oh, this is motivating. Yep. Nonetheless um so having a conversation with those guys figuring out that even though I Whatever it may be, you know, so like, hey, I I didn't make the team, whatever reasons. I said, all right, well, I'm an American. Let me try out for Team USA. And uh, so I sat out for this year for Israel World Games field tryouts. I decided to sit out and I made some calls. I tried to get connected to find out, to talk to these guys, to uh, let them know that I wanted to to try out for Team USA. And once once it got into their kind of their wheelhouse I, I was invited to try out and i'm here um because i'd love to love to play for us and and play against canada and iroquois that's for sure yeah well i, I hope it turns out great because i mean usa is they're trying to pull in more nll talent obviously none of the active roster guys are yep. there tonight but you know there there's a lot of nll experience that's going to be on the floor as well as a lot of guys with absolutely no box experience are mm-hmm. stepping out there too. So, I mean, it's going to be very interesting to to check that out. Um, now, I think there's definitely uh, a lot of talent for us. Yep. And as far as conditioning, I know for a fact the conditioning is high level. Yep. Most of these players are field players who, who do it professionally. Um, and then I love to see like guys like Tom Schreiber, you know, tearing up the NLL, Captain America himself. You know, doing big things where it's like that's inspiring, yep. and that's gonna that's gonna inspire the next future of American players to get in a box. And the trend is obviously box across, so yep. more and more people are getting involved. So, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if U.S. hoists the gold. Yeah, you heard it here first. You heard it here first. <laughs> we will mark this one down. Yes. All right. Now, before we wrap up, I'm gonna ask you five questions. Ask these to each one of our guests. Just you know, have a little fun with it. All right, first thing, what was the last lacrosse game you watched for fun? Ooh. So not not for work, you know, you're not scouting, you know, what's the what's the one where you just sat back and were like, you know what, I'm just going to enjoy this? I think it would have had to been when uh, Lyle and Miles were at UAlbany playing Notre Dame in that playoff game. 
That was probably the last. But, I mean, you were working as the human siren. So I was the really human. I was count? on on payroll as the human <laughs> siren. So I don't know if that counts. Um, yeah, I guess I don't watch lacrosse for fun. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, that's, that's one of those things. The more I ask people, it's it, people struggle because they they work so hard to make lacrosse their livelihood and a major part of their life that they sit back and say, "Huh, yeah. what, what what is it that I just like enjoyed and taken in a game?" I must um, have been a kid, maybe three or four years old, <laughs> before I could comprehend what I was getting myself into. All right, uh, next one is: What is something in the lacrosse world that you think people discuss too much that it's you know as not it's not as big of an issue as they make it out to be? I think this is a lot of sports, but um, injuries. You know, I think um, obviously with brain injuries and, and things of that nature, it's important to talk about. But at this at the same end of the spectrum, as an athlete, and I think speaking with any athlete, they know what they're getting into. Um, and they know that they're laying their body on the line to play this game they love. And I think less people from outside of the athlete pool should worry so much about the athletes because we're, we're choosing to do it. Um, that's not to say I don't think equipment should constantly improve and get better. And one day I, I'm sure Cascade will have a helmet that protects your brain so well yet. I don't know. Yep. But um, at the end of the day, I just think injuries and all these protocols. I know as an athlete now I have to go through 30 different protocols before I can even step on the floor. So it's like, Let's just play the game. Yeah. You know, my dad says, oh, kids these days are made out of paper mache. And I'm like, oh, I don't know about that, Dad. He's like, they were tougher when I was younger. And I was like, yeah, I guess maybe there's something to that. I don't know. Because I think part of the big debate with that right now is that athletes can make that informed decision, but it's also making sure that nobody is hiding information from them. I mean, you come from the football world. That's the big thing with concussions is that everyone that's – played football they know concussions are a problem but it's when they found out that people are withholding you know that repetitive hitting all mm-hmm. that sort of stuff that um it, it becomes much more of a a bad force that was kind of affecting the athletes do you do you kind of agree with yeah. that yeah yeah definitely i'd agree all right what is something that is not talked about enough that's a good question um I mean, I think we, we talked about it a little. It may be talked about a lot, but I'm just not a part of the conversations. Yep. Um, I guess just the diversity in the sport, you know, get more inner city kids involved, get more rural kids involved, get more girls involved, you know, and um, really try to help facilitate that. And I'd say target those markets and, yep. and really do tangible things that grow the game in those specific areas. Um I mean, I know there's a lot of good programs out there um, from Harlem Lacrosse on to – I know Crabs Lacrosse does a bunch of stuff for, for inner-city youth in, in Baltimore, and um, those things are awesome, and I don't think the light is shined enough on those. Um, even shootout for soldiers, you know, like yep. charity events. Like let's, let's hoist those up and put those up on a pedestal because those are, those are changing lives, and I think those need to be talked about more. Yep, absolutely. And that's one of the things I love about lacrosse is the charity events. Um, I, I've been a part of several of them. I've been a part of pickup games just to remember someone from the community that's you know recently passed away. 
And it's just, it's amazing to see how that tight-knit lacrosse community can rally around a cause or a person when it really is in need. So, you know, there's the true medicine game, Mm -hmm. and then there's the, you know, the way the community responds is a form of it. Um, You know, I'd say they're one and the same. Yeah. At the end of the day, they serve the same purpose. I'll say it. I'll say it, Ryan. I have no fear. (laughs) (laughs) But they they definitely are there to serve the same purpose. It's community healing. Exactly. You know, I think lacrosse is unique in that aspect of how much the people involved in the sport believe in that too. Um, One other. Okay, this is kind of a silly one. What's something that just makes you laugh from this week? So just something stupid (laughs) you might have seen online. It could have been. You know, a reply to one of your posts. Who knows? What oh, you, uh, those might not always make it. All, <laughs> no, they probably make my you laugh. flex Friday today made me laugh. <laughs> no, <laughs> the um, I would have to say. So I have an inversion table in my uh, downstairs in my uh, in my house, and my buddy came in and he was like, "Oh, you got an inversion table?" I was like, "Yeah." He's like, "Have you ever seen the videos online where people forget to strap their feet in?" I was like, what? He's like, yeah, they forget to strap their feet in, and they lean back on the inversion table. I was like, no, pull it up. And we were just dying for a good 15 minutes. So Inversion table fails. Yes, 100% hilarious. What are you doing? How do you think it's going to work? You know, like, come on. All right, we'll see if that uh, that search starts spiking up in Google (laughs) after this uh, this podcast goes out. That's it. I'm actually, I'm, I'm definitely going to go look that one up. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. All right, last one. $50 million. You are given, earn, somehow you get $50 million that is going to go to lacrosse. Just, you know, lacrosse in general, you decide where it goes. Is it investing in college? Is it international? Is it youth programs? Is it all of them? You know, it, it's enough money to make a difference. It's not enough to say... All right, I'm going to make professional lacrosse in every single country in the world, and all right, let's go. Yep. Um, where would you focus that effort? I think um, I think there's a, a couple ways I would try to invest that. I'd, I'd buy an NLL team, one because I just I, one, just one probably, maybe two, in two in Syracuse, one in Syracuse, one in Liverpool. I don't know. I'd go for that. <laughs> so I I'd definitely buy an NLL team because I believe in what they're doing. I believe in the executive board, Nick. Uh, Kevin Brown, uh, Kevin Morgan, sorry, and uh, all those guys, what they're doing with the NLL, I think they're elevating it, um, and I think in the future it's going to be the premier lacrosse league. So even right now it is. So it's it's cool, and I, I would want to be a part of that, and I'd see an ROI hopefully. Um, but then I think I'd invest into the technology of the NLL and and of the sport, and I think that's. There's so many action sports out there, but lacrosse is so different when you play it, when you feel it, being on the floor. Um, there's a company out there called U-Hawk, yep. and I'm a huge believer in U-Hawk and what they're doing. Uh, they're the official camera of the NLL. So last year I was able to wear the U-Hawk in some games, and the, the footage I got is literally second to none. It's awesome. And it's such a sleek, cool design that – you know, it, it doesn't stick out on your helmet like a, a GoPro would or something like that where it alters your neck weight or whatever it is. Um, so it's real inconspicuous, but it captures great footage, and it's almost like you're in the game. So I think if I could invest in that and find a way to stream that live yep. and you could watch your favorite players yeah, through this first person, hear what they say, learn from them, I think that that could 
catapult the game and be really cool. First person streaming. That w- that could be, be fun. That would be a game changer right there. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> I think U-Hawk, I would, I would throw them about $20 million bucks and say, hey, guys, let me get some equity in that and uh, uh, buy an NLL team. A right. couple of them. I like it. <laughs> All right, well, that wraps it up for now. Um, I know you've got to fulfill your USA duties <laughs> right it. now. Um, and so we're looking forward to see what you can do there. And we also hope to see you out on the floor in uh, those at Bandit Land. Appreciate it, brother. I am pumped to be out there. So I think they fit me nicely. We'll see. I, I could see I could see some rallying for you there. <laughs> All right. I appreciate the time, brother. Yeah, thank you very much, and uh, good luck. Thanks, man.